Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Holy cow, the hot tamale train is in the building. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk, we talk movies. Welcome to To The Point with Kristen Burt, presented by Dance Network and Popcorn Talk. And you guys, I know so many of you have been waiting for this episode. I've been waiting for this episode. Mary Murphy is here. And I like this song, too. I love this song. I know. She picked it. It's a good one. A little Bruno Mars to kick it off. It always How? gets you in a good mood, doesn't always it? Always does. Music. Always does. So affecting. <laughs> and he's the best, too. He's the best dancer, singer. I adore him. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. I love this little setting we have I going know. on here. Very it's a cool, cool little studio. To the point. To the point. <laughs> We're going to present that. <laughs> well, this hour, though, is all about you. Uh-oh. And I said, Look Mary, out. I know. I was like, we want to know your dance story because we get to see you. You know, so many of, uh, of us know your story basically from the So You Think You Can Dance perspective. But, you know, you've had this incredible career and it's always fun to like look back and like see where you came from, where you're going, your thoughts on the dance industry because the dance industry, I mean, if you go back from 2005 when So You Think started to now, the amount of changes, yeah. it's amazing. So, so different. These young dancers that are even on our show today don't quite understand the struggle and what the life of a dancer was pre-So You Think You Can Dance. Isn't that amazing to think about that? And even just talking to some of them, you know, there's so many options for them. If they decide not to dance professionally, they can go into directing and choreographing and, you know, so many opportunities in teaching around the globe. Uh, very, very different than even, say, 10, 15 years ago. And amazing things, too. You're so right with digital and everything else that's going on. Uh, and YouTube and just even social media has kind of changed the landscape of how people are able to learn and pick things up now. I've just recently met a world champion that uh, in Salsa that said that they, they were from uh, Brazil. They said they learned it all on YouTube because I asked them, I said, who who were your mentors? And they looked at me like I was crazy because they were from a poor town. And, and they were like, we learned this all on YouTube. And I, I've never thought my wildest dreams because I've had a million lessons to get me to where mm-hmm. I went to. And for someone to learn something like they do with the tricks that they did were deftifying. Um, it's just a crazy whole other world right now. It, it really is. And to me... Um, you have dance history all right there on YouTube now. And so sometimes when people say, I don't know who that is, I'm like, it is your job to go on YouTube and find out like who Bob Fosse is or who Michael Bennett is or, you know, any of those incredible choreographers that came before everyone. Yeah, you know. sure. Yeah. It's uh, interesting. The, the education now is so easily accessed where before you might have to go to college and go to that, you know, through that to, to learn history. Everything's at everybody's fingertips now. And that's what, that's a wonderful thing as well. It certainly you know, is. Except for, you know, the other side of that is too many people sitting around being on social media and just not doing anything, putting their life, you know, I say you've got to get into action. Our body was made for moving, 
That's right. And we got to use it. (laughs) (laughs) It's good to be, you know, you can have both, you know, but I do know people that get addicted to it and uh, can't get away from it. And, you know, things that you like to watch now, it's time for you to get up and go do some. That's right. You don't have to be, you know, to dance, anybody can dance. And you can, it doesn't necessarily mean you can, you know, go to a professional level, but you sure can have fun with your life enriching your life with dance. Yeah, it's been a really incredible thing. I'll tell you, my my aunt was just diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease, um, but um, my family enrolled her in ballroom lessons. The best thing for her, you know, the latest studies have now shown the Albert Einstein Institute, you know, has recently come up with the statistics that, uh, you know, if you were swimming or golf, that would be zero reduction. Mm -hmm. Uh, Reading is about 37 production uh, risk reduction, crossword puzzles 47 and ballroom dancing 76 percent hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Reduction. That. So, yeah, I'm in a very good field for myself because my mother had Alzheimer's ah, so as no. well. Yeah. And uh, we have a lot of classes. I have free classes at my dance studio for early onset and for their caregivers. Um, you have to, when someone gets Alzheimer's, it's the whole family that gets mm-hmm. Alzheimer's. And along with so many, you know, deadly diseases like cancer, it's just, it affects the whole entire family. And it takes a village of people to come together to, to help out with the situation. But music in general and dancing mixed together, you know, those are different areas of the brain too. So mm-hmm. a lot of times it brings somebody out, just the music, you know, if somebody would just go in. And we've seen case after case where people have not been, you know, commutative for a while yeah. and come completely out of it for a little while because they heard a song that they recognized and someone was dancing in front of them and got them moving again. The fact when we stop moving, you know, it really affects your brain. So exercise is still the number one thing. Dancing, because it affects five out of the six areas of the brain, is one of the best things to keep yourself mental sharpness. I have a student in my school right now. She's 79. She still works. She dances three sessions a day. And she told me she just started dancing three years ago. And she said she's much more sharper than she was three years ago. And she works full time and she goes to all her grandkids, you know, who are all in college and one plays professional baseball. She goes to all their games. She goes to the Charger games. She goes to the Padre games. I'm telling you, her schedule makes me look, and I thought I was busy. (laughs) So if we want to live a long life and we want to stay as healthy as we can, and I think, you know, for all of us, we we fear that slightly because losing your your memory is one of the most devastating devastating things that can happen to a person and what makes it super hard is when you have a family member and someone that you have known your whole life and when they turn and look at you one day and do not know who you are I can I'm here to tell you it is bone crushing uh, pain and very hard to 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 deal with but uh, um, I will say my father was a knight in shining armor And he um, took care of my mother for 10 years before she passed. And, yeah, we never saw that coming. My father was a type A 
take care of, you know, my mom had to take care of everything in the house and everything was on a schedule and everything had to be on time. And that's what growing up, there was a lot of structure in this household. (laughs) (laughs) She ran a tight (laughs) ship. And I'm happy to say that I'm glad. So when my mother, you know, came down with Alzheimer's, I thought, oh my God, my father's not going to be able to take care of her. He doesn't take care of anything like that. But he rose to the occasion, mm-hmm. and he was amazing. He made me fall in love with him all over again. Isn't that wonderful, though? It's like he was paying her back, you know? This yeah. Is like you took care of yeah. us all these years? <laughs> I'm going to do Never the Never saw that coming, honest to God. Well, it brought out the beauty. It, it did. did. It's really wonderful, it did. though. It did. I've it's never wonderful. seen my father cry until my mother passed. That's heartbreaking. It it's really is. It's not easy. It's not no. easy at all. No, we were talking about all of our Ohio people. You are from Ohio, huh? OH10, baby. Uh, hey. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I was like researching everything. Buckeyes. Buckeye State. You were not the girl that was like in dance class at three, right? No. You were, you were an athlete. You were like a major <laughs> yeah. athlete. Uh, that would have been the last thing. If my mother would have handed me a tutu, I probably would have <laughs> chopped it up. My grandmother kept trying to give me dolls, and I would just, I hate to say it, snap their, their necks off. <laughs> and uh, um, it was really a, a very small town. There was no dancing going on in that town. It was a little bit more like Footloose. Oh. Yeah, and but in at least Footloose, there was half the town that wanted to dance. There was no part of this town that Nobody. wanted to dance. Nobody. There was no three-year-old hot tamale train. Talk about bad <laughs> high school dances. <laughs> what did you guys do? Sit on the bleachers? <laughs> Everybody just stood there and stared at each other. <laughs> I think one time when the, the funky chicken was popular, <laughs> you know, maybe a couple of us went out and did that. But we were really doing it, you know, just laughing our patooties off because it was uh um it was hysterical none of us really wanted to be dancing we didn't even know what to do um it was very awkward to even um slow dance with somebody it was just not anything that we wanted to do (laughs) (laughs) so what were you doing what sports were you doing well, back in those days, I wanted to do everything my brothers were doing. So when they went muskrat hunting, I would go with them out into the swamps. I would be down the rivers. We used to build rafts. I was really a Huckleberry Mary. Huckleberry I wouldn't, Mary. I would not, you know, I didn't even really like to wear shoes. I went barefoot. I could run in um, rock piles and not even bother me. I, my feet were totally calloused from not wanting to have shoes on. Um, it was a little bit of a tough thing for when I ha- eventually had to go to school. So as a young child, mm-hmm. I was out running wild with my brothers. And, um, you know, we would go fishing. We had a canal and a river, the Tuscarawas River, and I lived off of the Ohio Area Canal. It was just a few blocks away. And uh, was living that existence of course in ohio you know it's winter and we log jump and go figure skating i wouldn't call it figure skating (laughs) ice skating we were just ice skating was more like it (laughs) even though we would try to do the jumps and tobogganing and all those kind of things it was a great 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 place to grow up in and i feel very grounded growing up with three brothers i felt very strong um but we did have basketball when I was in high school. I started um, running track at the probably sixth grade, 
when I moved out of uh, Catholic school and went to public school, which I was like, yes, no oh uniform. <laughs> All the cool kids go to public school. And so, you know, I was so excited that I get to wear something different, even though I still wasn't really about the clothes or anything like that for me. But I will say I showed up. I can still remember the dress I walked into <laughs> that room and everybody looked at me like I was an alien because I was like the new kid in the school. Yep. They walked me in late. Everybody else was sitting there. It was like one of those scenes from one of those movies. Goes, and I had a ponytail stuck out the side of my head, a red dress that had a red skirt, and it was red and white stripes. I can still remember it to this day. And it was like the class froze and went, what? Can we, can we bring back the side pony, though? Yeah. The side pony was a good thing. <laughs> and, uh, and that's how, you know, it all started. And I had... Um, uh, I loved uh, running track. I started running track and AAU track and uh, um, was uh, in cross country, which I was just there for the for regular track season. I was I was always last in cross country, <laughs> um, but uh, went on to uh, um, my senior year. I was on the first high school basketball team uh, my senior year. That was the only time we were allowed to do any other sport. Wow. Um, it was all about the boys and their sports, mm -hmm. but we weren't really officially allowed outside of track to do anything else in my town. It was all about football, basketball, and baseball for the guys. So it was my senior year that we were allowed to play volleyball and we were allowed to play basketball. And I was also, my my father was a drummer. Mm -hmm. My brothers were all drummers and I was a drummer as well. I love it. And, uh, when I got to high school, now for whatever reason, they allowed me to play drums in junior high. But when I got to high school, it was quite a, a large guy's drum corps. And uh, um, I was beaten up quite a bit with their sticks and things like that. They were trying to force me out of the drum section. So I went to the band leader and I complained. And I told him that, uh, you know, these guys, I showed them my arms and the bruises all up and down my arms. And my brothers were, too. They were in the drum corps, too. They didn't protect me. They didn't like a girl in the drum section, either. You're my, kidding me. My brother, uh, God rest his soul, he was, uh, um, he was band president and still didn't stop it. Um, because they wanted to go along with the whole fact that women weren't allowed to do anything else. That's crazy it, to think crazy about. Crazy times. And uh, so I went to him, and the band director looked at me, and he said, well, then, you better find a different instrument to play. And the fact that he didn't stick up for me, I really, that um, really got to me. So, But I did. I did what I was told. I tried out all the instruments. I ended up playing the bassoon of all the instruments. The bassoon. <laughs> Did you go from the drums to the bassoon? Yeah. That's amazing. I'm going to pick the wildest damn instrument there is. <laughs> yeah, they're probably like, why don't you pick up the flute? And you're like, I'm not picking up the flute. Yeah, uh, I tried. I tried all of them. I tried every instrument, even the tuba. <laughs> but isn't it amazing, though, like that moment in your life still sticks with you where they're like, no, no girls allowed. Yeah. And we still see it sometimes in our society in certain areas, and it's like, Absolutely. we're still fighting back. You know, even as far as equal pay is still not, uh, we're still not there yet. The fight there. is still not over. And it's outrageous to me if somebody sitting right next to you is doing the exact same job, and they're getting paid more than you are for doing the exact same thing. It's outrageous. It's frustrating. So, yeah. We constantly have to, you know, you just can't think that that fight's over. 
You still have to go there. And you have to lift the others behind you guys. This is a good <laughs> lesson. You know, the <laughs> younger right. generation, we're going to bring you guys up. So it's, it's a responsibility that we all have. <laughs> it's true. Uh, well, so you're in high school and you're, you're athletic. When does dance come into the picture? I think it came in uh, the little teeny picture of it, or a glimpse, I should say, of it would be my junior year. Um, I was watching somebody twirl a baton, and I started twirling it, um, just mimicking what I was seeing. And I picked it up, and I tried out, and, and I got it. And so my junior year and my uh, senior year, I was head majorette, and I had the responsibility of the major uh, toss of the baton in the front of the football game. Can you still toss a baton? I don't know. You know, I, I, you know, somebody, I broke um, my fingers a few years ago in three places, and so, you know, somebody keeps wanting me to get together with them and do a baton number. I'm like, you know, (laughs) the cane number, watching the cane number the other day. Wasn't enough to give me a heart attack again. You're like, thanks, um, Warren Carlisle. That is, yeah. that's a nightmare piece. That was so challenging. <laughs> yeah, it looks easy, and I'm sure there were some people out there that thought, oh, you know, what are we going on about? You know, that's really not that tough. It actually is, and it's actually um, on top of everything else you have to learn. And I know we're going off track, but um, five hours is no time to learn a routine. Mm-hmm. Anybody that dances professionally knows that I would never put myself through that. I would never go out until I perfected something mm-hmm. or feel comfortable with it. But these kids that do it in five hours, and then besides learning choreography and having to remember that and dancing with a partner, to have incoming objects thrown at you randomly. Ten of them. <laughs> and we had Paul uh, Carmerian here last week, and he said the stress of having to... Having to throw, because it depended on the people that were throwing as well, and if they... If they threw badly, it was bad for the, you know, they're going to drop it. It's bad for Warren. It's bad for Pinky. Yeah, it's, it's bad, bad for bad Jenna. It's bad for everybody. It's bad. <laughs> it's bad for us judges because we don't really want to say anything bad. Yeah, like, sorry, <laughs> drops five of them, 50%. <laughs> I think in dress rehearsal, he dropped every single one of them. Oh my God. And so the stress of that mentally doing that, the... Uh, probably weighed very heavy on his heart as you're trying to perform Mm -hmm. as well you know uh, my hat's off to all these kids on so you think you can dance because uh, I know I could never do what they're doing and I have such an appreciation for what they're doing and when they bring anything up to a a level that would have a performance in it as well just getting through it needs to be applauded it doesn't matter whether you know you might not love everything and and something might not touch you every single you know um single song or every single routine that you see but to get through something like that and not have a blackout it's a miracle in itself mm-hmm. but uh they do make it look easy and sometimes somebody that doesn't know anything about dance would sit back and say well you know that looked pretty easy there were a lot of comments yeah. under that video on youtube i saw them and they're like that was so easy and i was like live tv make pass academy get selected yes, for yeah. a team i said this earlier today i was like i challenge y'all yeah <laughs> Come on down. And Warren Car- Carlisle choreography, <laughs> he makes things look simple. His choreography is never simple. It's no. very fast. No. And so that's that's the challenge with Warren. I, I've asked him after the show, I said, please don't do that again if you're choreographing again on the season. Yeah. I said, Warren, just don't do it again to me. You know, <laughs> my heart can't take it. I, I was in the can't. studio that week, too, and I was, everyone around me was like, <gasps> Some, one after the other. Somebody made a comment on social media. They're like, Mary must be really out of shape because she's really out of breath. 
we were all dying. <laughs> we were all dying. I was holding. It's because we're holding our breath, you know. My heart was and in my throat the whole time. The entire audience that was there, I think, felt exactly the same way. Mm-hmm. And by the end, it was like, a, you know, watching a Rocky movie or something. By the end, even if you weren't one of Kiki's fans or something like that, the whole audience at the end was like, yeah. My favorite was Jenna's face on that last cane grab. She was like, like, yes! I would have probably screamed out loud, but yeah. Yeah, so many things can go wrong with a prop. Never easy, but I will say that has been the toughest prop piece I've seen, and I think in the history of So You Think You Can Dance. I would agree with that. It gave me the most anxiety. It gave me the most anxiety judging. I laughed because I felt, when I said it, it took me out of my comfort zone, because these kids are always out of their comfort zone. It took me out of my comfort zone, because I'm quite comfortable judging up there, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And uh, that was one time that, you know, while watching the number, it was just uh, um, holding my breath and just, ah, uh, you know, hoping that he didn't drop it. And her, because, you know, it's one thing when you let yourself down in the dancing or whatever, but when you think, oh, it's just a prop, let me just catch it, you know. Right. It's a mental game. It's, that was an extreme mental game thrown on top of dancing. Thanks, Warren. Yeah, thanks, Warren. <laughs> thanks, Warren. I hope you're watching. No. <laughs> I love. Hey, you know what we ought to do is make Warren do that number of That's the right, grand Warren. finale. How about that? I- I'm down with that. I'm totally down with that. And Warren Carlyle is the nicest man, too, by the way. He is. The kindest. Yeah, he's really great. He's like, he's so busy working with Bet and, you know, all of these Bernadette Peters. I know. know. Broadway people. Broadway. He's so Broadway. I love it. So, so so you you have the baton. So I have the baton. (laughs) I decide that every time I threw it up and I caught it that I love the applause of it all. And I was knew that I was pretty good at it, and I was self-taught. So when I got to college, that was the first time I was actually, and I have my degree in physical education. I was going to school to be a track coach and to be a physical educator. And that's all I knew to do, and that's what I wanted to be. You've always on. been a mover, though. Yeah, been a mover. Yep. Can't sit still. No. Nope. <laughs> Even now, I'm rocking back and forth. Like, <laughs> She's going to be hanging from the ceiling before yeah, long. Yeah. <laughs> and so, for an elective, I took a modern dance class. Mm. And they had a big dance program there at Ohio University. And I said, oh, wow, this is interesting. So I kind of liked it and I just I took all of a sudden before long I was taking so many dance electives you know I was taking jazz ballet tons of modern dance that I knew at my age that the next step would be to go to New York City and uh, I didn't think I was that talented to to just up when I knew everybody else had started at the age of three Mm -hmm. so now I'm starting to realize that oh I didn't have dance training when I was little but um, my first husband moved me to Washington D.C. And uh, when he, I wasn't really allowed to work. Ah, did and you get married right out of college? I got married at nineteen. You were a baby. He was eighteen. I was nineteen. We had no business getting married right. at that age. Anybody listening out there? No, do not do that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that got really stern all of a sudden. I know, very motherly, wasn't yeah, it? Was. <laughs> I was like, don't send do your it. kids to Mama Mary. Let them. I'll set them straight. Well, you know, I just had Logan and you know Kaylee in here, and they're eighteen and nineteen. Yeah, can you even begin no. to imagine? No. So, I got married way too young. I was married to someone from the Middle East. 
-hmm. And I was, he did not like it for me to work or do anything. And so every time he'd leave the country, I walked into a dance studio as a fluke for a summer job. I was totally still planning on teaching physical education someplace. Um, but, uh, and I'll be honest, I didn't really like the job then either. Uh, the school didn't really have any high level dancers in it. Mm -hmm. And there wasn't really any, it was a heavy sales machine. And there was not a lot of, uh, there was no high-level dancers in there. So I was about ready to quit after six months of doing that. And uh, um, then the manager said, you know what? I see something in you. I think you need to see the United States Ballroom Championships. Ooh. And I was like, oh, okay. You know, I've never been to New York City. I was all fired up, you know. Even Washington, D.C. was more than I've ever been around in my entire life. And I went to New York City. It was held at the Waldorf Astoria. It was three-tiered balconies, crystal chandeliers everywhere, two massive doors that opened up. You know, it was like something out of a movie. I walked in with them, and about 10 feet in, we stopped, and there was just like 20 or 30 dancers swooping and beautiful. Aww. They had long ball gowns on and rhinestones and feathers and makeup and hair, exactly everything. I wasn't, and... Uh, I turned to them and I said, I'm going to be the United States champion and I'm going to be a professional ballroom dancer. And he kind of looked at me and probably thinking, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but you set your mind to it. I said it out loud and I went back to Washington, D.C. and I um, researched and found the best dancers that were available. And very lucky for me, there were Nancy and Joe Jenkins, who were third in the world, which at that, in those years, there was never American that was even in the top six, probably in the history of ballroom mm -hmm. dancing. So my very first coaches were Nancy Jenkins. And uh, um, so I was very lucky to start training with somebody that was so amazing in the international standard style, which mm -hmm. is the waltz, foxtrot, tango, quick step, and Viennese waltz. And, uh, and then... You know, once he came back and found me that I was interested in something, and he moved me again. And every time I would get interested, I'd be moved again. And then he would leave and go back to uh, the Middle East. And at, at wherever I was, I'd be driving. When he'd go out of town, I'd be driving to go find to that dance a, studio. find a dance studio. And I ended up uh, in Columbus, Ohio. I was actually in Springfield, Ohio. And then uh, I started driving to Columbus, Ohio. And, uh, Which is a fabulous train. artistic yes, yes, town. I don't really know if people is. realize that. <laughs> There's a lot of dancing going on yeah. there now. And I just found David Butcher and um, Artie Stone. And I, instead of just having one partner, I had two. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I felt like I had, you know, a horse blinders on. I just now I'm, I'm honing in on it. So every second I could, I was just eating up all the information and was very successful early on becoming the mid United States champion and things like that very quickly. And, uh, and then I'd be tried to be moved again. So eventually I was able to get out of that horrible, horrible relationship. And I got in a car and drove across country by myself. Did you just kind of leave? I did in the middle of the night. How long had you been married at that point? Almost eight years. Wow. That's a long time. Yeah, it was and a it, long time. I don't think people understand when you're, you're in something that's abusive, it's not easy to just get up and go. No, you, can, you can't. It's not that. And, and until somebody, I think it's a whole nother level, you know, when it, I've always said um, being beaten and raped by, you know, a stranger would have been better. 
because when it's a loved one, someone that you fell in love with and someone that you thought was your knight in shining armor. Trusted. And trusted. When someone like that hits you, uh, that's what people don't really understand how quickly. And I was a very, you have to understand, very strong person going into university. Uh, that but when someone does that, your self-confidence, your self-esteem drops below they break you down the floor level yeah and you still love the person even though they hit you um you still and when someone tells you that'll never happen again and you're crying and everybody's crying and oh my god i'm so sorry i did that that actually became my mantra over the next seven eight years and mm-hmm. i had to hear that time and time again i had to get i would get presents and be whisked off to um amazing trips afterwards and so even till this day, the, the beauty of that, and, and I, it's a hard word to say, the beauty of that. Chris. But when you look back on something, you can't see when you're in it, when you're in deep and you're in trouble in your life. There is always that silver lining. There is always a gem. It just takes a while. So if you're in the middle of anything like that right now, hold on. Because there is light at the end of the tunnel. You just can't see it. And I understand that you can't see it. But when you can break loose from that, I look back. I would not have the life I have. I would never have been a dancer had he not moved me to Washington, D.C. And Mm -hmm. I walked into that dance studio. I would never be on So You Think You Can Dance had it not been for that relationship. That was horrific in many levels. So there is a positive, and I have released any hate mm-hmm. and forgive. Never forget. You don't forget. But it still fuels me because I was told a million times if you ever leave, you'll be homeless. And I tried to leave a couple times, and I felt that way. I wasn't going to make it. So I always came back. But uh, it fuels me today. And being fueled by anything in life isn't a bad thing. I think. I know a lot of people think I'm a workaholic, and I do work a lot. My older brother was a workaholic. Mm-hmm. But uh, me and my older brother, is it really being a workaholic when you love what you do? That's right. And be in a country that you're able to do what you love. It's an amazing thing because there are many women that, you know, are more still back in the day where you can't, you're not allowed to play basketball, right? you're not allowed to dance. And uh, places in the world that are actually like that for women. So we're truly blessed in this country. And I still feel, even though I went through a really bad eight years, there was still a blessing in there for me. Dance saved you. Dance saved my life, for sure. Unbelievable. And it, it, it can, you know, it just, I've heard story after story of what it's done for people. Um, until you do it, I don't think you can really understand it. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, I see people have their lives changed every day in my dance studio. And uh, I've been, I've had a dance studio for 27 years now. Which is amazing. Is that <laughs> a dance studio, I, I don't know if people understand how hard it is to it run is. a dance yes. studio. And to keep one open for decades yeah. is a tribute to oh, what you're doing. Thank you. It's, it's, not, it's not any easier today. And even being on television has nothing to do with it as 
it was when I first started. You're still going to have the same issues and the same problems and the same joys. You know, that's the beauty of it. The joys of seeing people grow in my studio far outweigh, oh, the toilet's broken again. <laughs> <Why>? You know? <laughs> <laughs> the ceiling just fell down. That's awesome. <laughs> um, all kinds of things can happen. And, uh, um, that's a, certainly been a joy in my life. I like being the Mama Mary. Everybody comes to me and tells me their problems. I'm like the Ann Landers, but the kids out there today, they wouldn't even know who Ann Landers is. I know, they're like, I'm like, Dear, Dear Abby. Dear Abby. And they were sisters, yes, Ann yeah, Landers and, and Dear Abby. Yeah, I know. <laughs> There's two of them. Um, kind of of the dance world. And, yeah. and, it, and I love that role. You know, I love being in my office and people coming in and telling me what their issues are and me trying to be the problem solver. I love it. So many babies. Isn't that nice? (laughs) It is nice. You have so many babies. (laughs) (laughs) Old and young probably. I know. I do. I love it. But that's wonderful. And um, your studio is in San Diego. It's in San Diego, Champion Ballroom Academy. Fantastic. 4255 Rough and Road. No. <laughs> She's like, come on. Are, are you able, you have such a busy schedule. Are you able to teach? Because I know you're judging and you've got, so you think. And Well, I do still go back and uh, um, and teach. I teach, I try to teach Wednesday through Friday. Mm-hmm. Saturday, I call it my maintenance day. <laughs> you my need one for, done. I for do. you, though. It's for you. you know, <laughs> that's only when I'm on season. When I'm off season, I forget about maintenance day. <laughs> I shouldn't, but I do. I'd be like, I'm on the couch on maintenance <laughs> yeah, day. that's right. No. Most likely, I'd still be down at the dance studio. <laughs> and I have two shows a year that I do. I do one October 21st. It's kind of like our Halloween bash. And then I do one in May, which is the anniversary bash. So I only do two there. Mm-hmm. And I own the Hollywood Dance Board Championships with two business partners, one from Dancing with the Stars, Jonathan Roberts, and Michael Chapman from Florida. And then I have the Holiday Dance Classic in Las Vegas with Sam Sedano and Wendy Johnson. And uh, um, that, outside of that, and thank God those two competitions I owned are more towards the end of the year. They've always right. been after So You Think You Can Dance, except for the year of the double season. That's right. So that I'm able to, you know do everything and, and focus. let it flow. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I did four years of So You Think You Can Dance Canada as well, and sometimes we were at the same time, so I'd be red-eyeing it up there, oh do a show, fly back on the red-eye, come back and do a show in the United States, go back up there, because in those days, the um, the shows would have a break in between the days, and we'd have a kickoff show. And so today. So, oh my, you were all over yeah. the place. So you've worked with some people, like especially like Luther Brown, who was doing. So of course, you can, I, mean, I know that Luther was... Brown really well. Stacy Tukey, John Mark Genero. Of course, I helped him get on to. Uh, so you think you can dance in the first place? And we had the American version started first. Mm-hmm. Um, I I've also told them about Luther Brown. You should think of that having Luther. Stacy was already living in um, L.A., so she was already on the early versions of. Uh, so you think he can dance. But then uh, I got John Mark on and then eventually Luther. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, there I mean, were some great dancers, and there are great dancers in Canada. And they love So You Think You Can Dance, but they got bought up by another network, Bell South, bought CTV. And they were a little bit more news-oriented and sports-oriented, and they decided to... That's too bad. And the people love it. They love the American version, too. But yeah, we hear from a lot of fans that are like, I love this certain season of, you know, so you think you can dance. We saw Dennis, one of the, the champions, of course. He oh. was on World of Dance DNA. Come on. He and Antonina are fantastic. He won the Canadian version. Canadian and version. He started, he was a young man, started in ballet, did all the styles, and then ended up in ballroom. 
and he's an amateur now in the, competing in the United States for Canada, and he is amazing. And the fact that I judged and he won, won that season, it was a, like a few years later then, and I was at a competition in, uh, in, in Los Angeles, and I was sitting there, and I kept my eyes kept being drawn to this kid. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this, this kid's wonderful. I don't know who he is. It, his hair was long, and it was in his face all the time. <laughs> and uh, after the, the competition, he came up to me, and I almost had a heart attack because I didn't recognize him with his long hair, and he was so wild. It was unbridled. It was, like, <laughs> so refreshing to see somebody out there. It, just, you know, the, the creativity. I mean, So You Think You Can Dance had done so much for his ballroom that changed his style that I found it so unbelievable, uh, refreshing to watch. And I couldn't believe it was him, so I wrote him, actually. I uh, I don't really write a lot of people that I watch dance. Mm-hmm. Uh, I felt compelled to. Oh, I, nice. I, and I wrote him a long letter, and I said, whatever the track you're on, you're on the right track. And uh, don't let anybody else, because we do have a, an industry that they like to turn our dancers sometimes into cookie cutter. It's mm-hmm. like making a factory of everybody dancing exactly the same way. You are amazing in what you're doing and the path you're going on. Stay on that path. Don't let anybody talk you out of it. And uh, um, and it used to be all the master coaches in the ballroom industry were in England. And that's really changed now. They don't really have... There's still some amazing master coaches that were still my master coaches. Mm-hmm. and um, But it's it's definitely changed. The, the, you know, very strong pockets in Italy and Germany and the United States is very powerful in ballroom dance. And I have to say a large part of that is due to the Russian influence. You know, we have all the Eastern Bloc countries, you know, coming and Russia mm-hmm. coming now and... Uh, I don't know what it is in the water over there, but, I mean, their work ethic is very strong, and the parents back ballroom dancing, and the only other place in this country that I see it like that for ballroom dancing is Utah. Utah, exactly. <laughs> we see it. We've seen a lot of them come on, so you think. <laughs> exactly. We've had a ton of Utah dancers come on, so you think. It's amazing, and it's just so refreshing to see that, too, that the fact that you know, f- whole families dance in Utah and that they're very behind it and, you know, the church is behind everybody dancing and, uh, you know, everything would just be better if everybody was dancing. True. <laughs> it keeps people out of trouble. It really does. <laughs> There's an amazing, uh, from Mad Hat Ballroom, I don't know if you ever saw that um, documentary mm-hmm. movie, um, but Pierre Dulane, he's a friend of mine, uh, that story that uh, Antonio Banderas uh, was the lead actor for is a friend of mine and he's out in New York City and he With got Yvonne Marceau. That's right. That I went to NYU <laughs> for dance and they taught us for a semester. Oh they did. Yes. Well they were there in, you go. They were in Grand Hotel. Inside track oh! over here. They were in Grand Hotel on Broadway at the time. That's so, correct. Yes, yeah. yeah look at you. <laughs> All in the know. I'm Ooh, finding yeah. out some stuff about her today. Uh huh. What? <laughs> <laughs> but they're, they're spectacular. Have you seen this new documentary? I haven't seen it yet but I've heard all about it return to jeff uh i and would love he, to see you know, it he's originally from beirut he's on so he's a judge on so you think you can dance beirut they're lucky to have him i know and then so um so what he did is he took about 10 israeli kids and 10 palestinian kids I love and this idea. they have never ever met 
an Israeli before or a Palestinian before. All they knew was hate. When you got them in the room the very first day and you film it, I guess you see their faces, their disgust, their hatred for one another. And by the end of those eight weeks or ten weeks that he did this and taught them ballroom dancing, all you see at the end is children laughing, dancing with one another, friendly with one another, touching one another. I mean, that's 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 beautiful power of what dance is. And I think especially ballroom dance because you are touching and connecting. And uh, you have to rely on a partner. You have to rely on the lead and the follow. Um, You can't do it without it. That's right. That he should come and do that here in the United States. We have a lot of issues to work out. <laughs> Political parties. I know. You <laughs> Racial know, tension. Well, I think, you know, he's definitely set himself up for a series of documentaries that I think can go on and on and on. Maybe you ought to have Congress do one between the Senate and the House. And the House. <laughs> Democrats, Republicans. I'm thinking about this. I can probably we can probably yeah. come up with a list the rest of this hour. Could be a little reality show. No. Yeah, it, it really could. <laughs> Nigel's listening. He's like, "Oh, yeah. I'm on this. He's ready to exec produce." <laughs> we got this whole concept going. Yeah. <laughs> we could just we could have Hillary and Trump start ballroom dance lessons together. Can you imagine? I mean. We really need to have this going. No. <laughs> He's going to change Trump. the world. <laughs> Trump's already like, I'm the best dancer yeah, in the world. Right. I already heard it. You he tweeted it out. He goes, you've been served. <laughs> oh, I, I want him to get served. Let's see. <laughs> so funny. It was dance serve, people. It that's wasn't right. any other serve. Yes, that's right. Don't, don't get crazy. No, don't send us hate tweets. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, wow. Yeah. That, that, <laughs> now I get people off track really easily. I know, but it is really funny. It's like if you think about it, the concept of what you could do with two different sides and, and you know, create something really beautiful yeah through dance it would be you know we could have a political dance summit with every president of every single country <laughs> every dictator yeah <laughs> i'm i'm down for trudeau yeah. <laughs> he's, he's fun to look you wanna, at yeah, you want to teach him <laughs> oh, yeah i'll teach him <laughs> i think everyone's going to be fighting me over that one <laughs> For sure. I think I need to teach the president of North Korea. <laughs> Another one. He needs yes. a little Mary Murphy in his life, he, I think. He needs the yes. hot tamale he need, train. Yes, he does. He does. <laughs> you know, how did you get that nickname? How long has it, how long has it followed you? Besides so you think, okay. has it been around before then? Well, not the hot tamale train. But I've certainly called hot Latin dancers hot tamales. When and and I actually still remember the girl that I think it first came out of my mouth. It was Debbie Avalos. Uh, she was a professional Latin dancer. She had. I still remember the dress. It was a bright, vivid, um, paillettes dress that was um, like a teal. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, with the lighting at the United States Championships. And she's Mexican, and she has jet black, short black hair, beautiful face, beautiful body. And she walked out in that dress, and I said, now there's one hot tamale. (laughs) (laughs) So that's where it started. That's where it started. And then on the show, I believe it was uh, Danny Tidswell and Anya 
Um, I actually thought originally that it was a, a cha-cha or a samba, but Anya made sure to t- come up and tell me. She said, actually, it was a jive, Mary, that uh-huh. you said it mm-hmm. first. And so I'll take her word for it. And uh, after they got done dancing, you know, I said, the train just pulled up. And I said, you're on the hot tamale train. Tamale train. And it was wild because it just seemed to, you know, we're in so many countries, the American show, and it just went around the, the world like that, the phrase did. And uh, and the first time that I think I screamed on episode, I don't know if I screamed on episode one. I'd have to go back and see. <laughs> but the first time I did, I think it was actually mid-season of season one, and I let an unbridled, no hold bar. <laughs> did Nigel do this? Scream out! I don't remember what he did because <laughs> I was I was standing up, shaking my hair and head, and never, I was so into it, I was letting it all hang out. <laughs> I didn't really care. You're like, I'm feeling this. <laughs> I'm feeling this number, <laughs> and I got to show them my appreciation for it. <laughs> and it was so funny to me because the audience went absolutely nuts, and the kids were jumping up and down, and. Next week, all the reporters were just, are you going to yell for us this week, Mary? Are you going to yell for us? And I was like, like every single one. And there was a big press line in those days. And it would just be, well, I don't know. I I might. I, you know, if it's really good, I might, you know. But right. it was just like, I'm not a parent, you know. I'm gonna, <laughs> You're like, I do it when I feel it. Will and... you yell for us? Will you yell for us? I can't tell you how many ears I've blown out across the country. There you go. With, There's Nigel with, and Vanessa. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> from auditions this year <laughs> hey you know at that point i was really sick in december and january i'm so grateful that those auditions started in march to be able to be there and be on the show i'm just so glad i was there to be able to scream it was uh um it's amazing to look at that picture now and i gained quite a bit of weight over you know i had two surgeries and uh and a procedure done and I look at that picture, and I just can't believe I was even there. It really is kind of amazing. I know that you had, like, tweeted out a photo that's saying you were going into surgery and everything. And then mm. several weeks later, it yeah, really was. I, I really didn't think everything was as serious. And I know I, there there was a few tweets right before I went in, like, about my my red boots. And I said, oh, Santa Claus is coming. And I got a kidney stone. I thought I just had a kidney stone. And um, what, what are we going to call it tonight? I was making jokes. I was in right. so much pain, but I was like... I had to wait nine hours for a doctor every second. What I didn't know, and I was reeling and getting sicker and sicker, that I was uh, my body was becoming septic oh my because goodness. of both the kidneys were blocked by kidney stones at exactly the same time, which is called bilateral hydrophonosis. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really, I didn't know until the doctor seen me. As soon as we did the CAT scan, then it was emergency surgery right away just to bypass the kidneys they had to i had to wait another two weeks to do the six hour surgery which would have been the blocking of both the kidneys um and so the third procedure was to take out the stents that were inside of you which anybody that's been through that it's a little inhumane i'm just saying it's, <laughs> <laughs> like it's not your that favorite was with no you know numbing or anything like that uh, hello <laughs> um not my favorite but I'm glad I'm to the other side of it. You mm-hmm. know, there was some other things that were going on that uh, made it more of a medical a surgery emergency at that time. And yeah, you just never know. You just I I I never knew that was a possibility. Had I known that, I will from now on. Anytime I get a kidney stone, now mm-hmm. I'll be sure I wasn't going to go to the hospital. Oh my god! I was very grateful that day. I had um, construction going on in my dance studio. 
and I went down there to check on him. On my way, I didn't feel really well when I woke up, but I didn't feel the kind of pain that I felt when I got there. Mm -hmm. And I was moping around with my hand on my right side of my back was the only place at that time that was hurting. And I'm looking around, and everybody's saying, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? Ah, I got a damn kidney stone. You're like, ouch, <laughs> kidney stone. And uh, um, I said, ah, oh, no, I'm going, well, you should go to the hospital. No, I'm going to go home. I said, the doctor gave me Vicodin from the last kidney stone in a case of emergency. Use this. So I said, I got that there. There's nothing anybody can do until I have a lipsotripsy. So I had my two dogs with me, and I was taking my dogs to the vet. I ended up having an attack so bad in my car that I thought, oh, my God, I'm going to have to call 911 from here and pull over. I can't make it to the vet. And I just kept thinking, what are they going to do with my dogs? Right. If they take me away in the ambulance, they're not going to take my dogs. <laughs> I thought, I have all these visions. Me. They're going to be in the Humane Society, and somebody's going to pick up my dogs. I can't have this. <laughs> and so then I, I made it to the vet. I, I forced myself to get there, and then it subsided. And I was in the waiting room, and there happened to be a woman in there. God bless her and she was picking up her dead dog's remains so oh. i was consoling her she had had a couple group classes i didn't know her well had a couple group classes at my dance studio and she looked at me and she said what's going something going on with you after you know i'm consoling her about her dog right. i said well i got a damn kidney stone she said well you know what i think i'm gonna wait out here while you have your dogs checked so i went back to see the vet and, you know, he's checking out my dogs, and he's looking over at me. He goes, what's going on with you? And I said, oh, I, got a, I, I wasn't having an attack right then. I said, oh, I got a damn kidney stone. He said, no, something else is wrong. He said, you're turning gray. You oh. need to go to the hospital right now, and we're leaving. He picked my dogs up. He went out. She was waiting for me. He said, can you take her to the hospital now? And I said, well, what about my dog? She goes, I'll take him to Carlsbad. Don't worry about your dogs. <laughs> Don't worry about your dogs. So we put my dogs into her car. She took me. I left my car there. She took me to the hospital. She got me checked in. She took my dogs to Carlsbad, which was another half hour yeah. out of her way in traffic, and then came back and then sat with me again for about three hours until I was like, she knew something more was happening, but just not what. She called my boyfriend and said, I think you need to get down here. I oh think something's gosh. really wrong. You know, she's not well. And so he came down, and uh, I waited for nine hours. And then uh, then it all started happening fast, very but fast. Thank goodness you went to the hospital. Oh, my gosh. I can't remember. I wouldn't be here today no, if I hadn't wouldn't. gone. It's just crazy to me how the events yeah, the people that were in my path that day. I'm so little lucky. guardian angels along the I way. I know there was, wasn't and there? And you're a cancer survivor too, aren't you? <laughs> I am. Mary, don't do, don't scare <laughs> us again like this. Hey, I don't like it either. <laughs> I just got bad genes. I just no. tested positive for, and I don't even know. I have to check what two more cancer markers. So I've been tested positive on. I'm like, uh oh. So I'm changing my life as bet. I'm trying to do my part. Mm -hmm. I do believe that we can heal ourselves with food. Yes. And I'm on that path to eating fresh and to lowering my, you know, carbs that are insignificant carbs and going more towards complex carbs and uh, um, having my own garden and doing all that kind of stuff. I still have a ways to go. I'm a sugarholic. Yeah, you know, you look really good. This this Thanks. whole season, you've looked Thanks. really good. Thank you. Uh, people are always like, Mary's back. Everyone's really happy. And I'm like, you know what? Mary looks really happy. You look really happy <laughs> I, this summer, honestly. I am really happy. I'm happy to be anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and to be back on the show certainly means everything to me. And it's just a beautiful thing 
to recover from something like that Mm -hmm. and to be able to come on a show immediately after you go through something like that Mm -hmm. and to be able to see beautiful dancing and to witness the struggle and everything these kids go through it's just amazing and it's beautiful to watch and nothing makes me happier i can't i'm like you know i go to the set earlier than anybody i you know i don't what do i gonna do sit in a hotel room Mm-hmm. You know, I get up, I go early, I have my process. I, I'm there usually by sometimes as early as 7 a.m. Mm-hmm. I leave about 9 p.m. at night. I always do a Facebook Live afterwards now. And so I stay with the guests that come under, you know, my my guest list. And we t- sit and t- chat about the show and what their favorite number was and why. It was interesting this last week. Almost, you know, usually it's a little bit mixed up. But every one was uh, Koine and Marco's hanger number. Yeah, yeah, Mandy and Elizabeth. I was glad to see them back. They had a great number last season um, with see, the All-Stars. See, I did not see that season. And uh, I didn't know about those two. And I was just... I was so impressed with the choreography, let alone the concept, you know. I Mm -hmm. thought it was a cool concept. But uh, the transitions that were made in that routine were just beautiful. They were breathtaking. Yeah. Some of those where she just, like, slips and just... I loved it. Drops in the hanger into Marco's arms. Yes. (laughs) That's where she bumped her head in rehearsal. You saw you were like, ah. Yeah. But yeah, Elizabeth and Mandy, they submitted their all-star piece uh, for Emmy submission. And I was like, they're on the right track. They are definitely on the right track of like, you know, really creating work that we're going to remember for a long time. so interesting. They seem so young. They are. They are. (laughs) Look at all these choreographers, you know, like the Keone and Mari, to see them come back after such success at World of Dance. It's great to see them back on the show. Um, We've missed them for a few seasons. I know. Leah Michaels coming back. I mean, there's been a lot of people that we haven't. Wade Robson, another one. He was back. Yeah, this was a this was a comeback season, wasn't it? This was a good comeback season. <laughs> when did you know you were coming back? By the way, because I ran this. I spoiled your comeback. By Is the way, Is that right? It was me. Yes. Um, because I ran into Nigel, and Nigel was like. I saw him at a, a arts and education event with a bunch, like 8,000 kids um, at the music center. And he was like, Mary Murphy's coming back. Like the first thing when he saw me and I was like, I'm going to tweet that. And he's like, you might get a phone call from Fox publicity here in the studio right now. And he's like, just let him know that it was me. I'm like, okay. And I'm like, Mary Murphy's coming back. Tweet. <laughs> tweet. But I, so I'm going to say that was somewhere, it was right before you guys did the New York auditions uh, in, in March. So when did you know you were coming back? I knew I was coming back in December. That's fantastic. And uh, talking to me in November. We needed you back. We and did. So. <laughs> your energy, I will say, you know, it's wonderful having all these different judges. Your energy is, is so needed on the panel. You bring, you elevate it to a, just a different level <laughs> that other people just, you know, everyone has their own energy and brings their own things to the table. But I will say that when you were coming back, I was like, this is the greatest day ever. Tweet. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. I, I, and I probably speak for a lot of the So You Think fans. Yeah, so I, I, I saw what my Twitter feed looked at that, that day. I know. There's a lot of people just think that I just scream all the time. But And if you watch the auditions, you have to realize that's probably like 18 hours in a day, and you will only see seven people in a one-hour episode. Mm-hmm. And, of course, they're like 
we're showing you the best people. So right. it's like I'm either screaming or crying. <laughs> we like it when you cry though too. You know, it's because uh, you're human. And yeah, you, know you feel I it. Can't, I'm not an actress. I cannot, uh, um, I wish I could because I know there are certain times that things, you know, uh, sometimes art will imitate what's going on in real life. Mm-hmm. You know, certainly um, Tice's uh, breast cancer piece really hit me. I could hardly talk, get anything legible out because one of my closest friends was going through a double mastectomy that week. So sometimes when that stuff is going on in your life, or my father died when I was on the show and and stuff like that. I mean, it's not easy. And it's then real. It, and somebody does a piece on cancer. My father died of lung cancer. I was just, you know, a basket case. It's really hard to recover. But the beauty about dancing and how it can affect and millions of people. I mean, I'll never forget the very first time that I cried on So You Think You Can Dance. And I think I was one of the few people back in those days that actually had let that go to mm-hmm. an extent that she's really crying over that one, isn't she? <laughs> no. <laughs> Nigel's like, yeah, whoa. she was yelling one minute, yes, now she's, she's crying. crying. <laughs> he loves to tease what? you. I know he does. <laughs> I hope, you elbow, I know. Yeah, I hope I you elbow him every oh, once I in a while. I hit him hard okay. sometimes. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> you know, he must really have, well, actually, I think that's why he went in the middle this time is because, you know, his left arm is so beaten from all those years of me punching him out. And now he's, he's like, I'm going to put the nest over yeah, here. Yeah. <laughs> ask and, oh, and I asked this of Nigel um you know we've had panels of three and four and stuff like that I am surprised we have not brought brought back choreographers back on the panel do you think that that's a good idea or a bad idea I've liked it I've enjoyed well, it. I, it I will tell you this when I when I went off uh, on t- season one and two I choreographed mm-hmm. I only left the judging table two episodes to choreograph and I would choreographed two routines in one episode both times and then did a group number on the one when you go through something with a contestant you know the choreographer is going through it with you Mm -hmm. and it's not just about oh well here's my choreography it's not anything like that when it's a show like this when you're a choreographer in another situation you can choreograph and you can pick the people that you want and you can, and if they don't do your choreography next, yep. you get rid of somebody. This is very, very different. You do not know who you're going to get. You might know a day before. They get a text, you yeah. guys. I don't know if yeah. you know that. They get a text from, like, Papa Jeff, who's literally yeah. like, you have <laughs> you have two hip-hop dancers, and your dance is the quick step. Enjoy. Yeah. And so... It's in the choreographer's best interest to figure out on those two people what looks best. That's a different mindset than season one. We can go back and talk about that because that was quite different. But once a camera started going on the faces of the choreographers, then there was a whole new level of care about what we're going to give them. And if I know when I was in the choreography room, if I didn't think in 30 seconds even I could see you or envisioning you doing that. Next, do this. Yeah, let's. Nope, let's. nope, but I want to do that. Nope, nope. Then do this. Try to make you look good. Yeah, yeah. Don't try to please me by saying, I can do this in the end. No, if I can't envision that you're going to be able to do it, I quickly move on to something else. I had to go in with plan A, B, and C, and usually it ends up with D. <laughs> because A, B, and C, A is, I would choreograph if I got two ballroom dancers. 
You're like, yes, yes, I can do this. Never happened to me. And, uh, <laughs> like, forget that. Uh, B, one ballroom dancer and one somebody else genre. C, two people have never done it before in their life. <sighs> you know, and it's, it's, it's really tough. And so you're agonizing over the week before. I'll tell you, a choreographer can't get any sleep. Mm-hmm. They are, you're working on all kinds of ideas and, and, and something that people don't even factor in at home is a lot of times it could be even, and it's happened to me the night before I was told my two numbers, the music was not approved. That happens a lot. And still to this and day. And still to this day. Now your whole concept of what props or this or the whole motive of what you were going to do completely goes out the window. And you have a massive heart attack over the situation. Yeah. Because it's hard enough anyways, and then somebody slaps that on you. So now you stay up all night before you go out, because the next day you're in the choreography room with them. So you have to go down a totally different path. And it's almost like taking nine months of somebody that, and and all those different uh, levels of being, let's say, pregnant. Yep. And uh, you put that into five hours. So you have now just condensed it. Condensed it unbelievable you have gone through something with them i am now emotionally attached to them i can't help myself and then you pulled it off for me and for you but you're still sitting there oh you're sitting in the stands going oh thank god thank god i can't believe they did that because they weren't doing it in rehearsal now we've gone something you go to them over the show you're hugging them they have now become part of your family. Mm-hmm. To have somebody, you know, I couldn't have been happier to be made permanent judge in season three. I'd see the value in it now because it was hard for me to be, what's the right word? Um, I can't think of it right now, but I couldn't stop my feelings for the people mm-hmm. that I went through something and you did so well for me. You need a little so more compartmentalization. Yeah, I needed to be another step away from that to judge freely and not be you know like even if i have a friend dance today and i'm judging a ballroom it's hard for me you know if i if you both are even dancing the same way well who are you going to give it to you're going to give it to your friend right so to put somebody in that position i think is dangerous for the show because there's even like some hidden favoritism even if you're not intentionally doing it yeah. yeah yeah it's an interesting perspective that makes a lot of sense. I know. I I can I I feel like I can judge freely. I can say um, in all honesty, without any kind of prejudice or anything. I go in with a clean slate mm-hmm. every week. No, you know, try not to think because I feel like in this show, uh, whether you you might even start to have a favorite or whatever, it, anything can happen when someone does another da- dance genre. That's right. Even if they've been doing well all the way. I mean, you, you take Lexus last week, you know, struggling in that uh, hustle. Um, he struggled struggling big time that because of, uh, you know, of course the body's starting to give out. But to do six lifts, you know, is incredible for anybody. And know? then he had the samba on top yeah, of it. So he, had, he was doing a very, lot of lifting. Very, fast, very, very demanding and rhythmical routines, you know. So it, something like that, it's a lot. You go through something like that with somebody. Yeah. I can't remember it. <laughs> well, and it's so funny. It's easy for us, especially like sitting on the couch watching this going, that number was terrible, whatever. 
these kids are under so much stress. On the press line last night, it was written all over their faces in terms of like yeah. fatigue. Their bodies yeah. are tired. Everyone was looking forward to today and having today off. Oh, did they get today off? They got today off, and they were gearing up. They're doing six numbers next week. That's a lot. Yeah. I, I don't know how they're going to do it. I don't know how they do it. They seem to find a way. Um, I just uh, I have nothing but praise and love for what goes on and what they do to endure uh, a, a grueling show like this. I do know one thing, that it will prepare them for life, mm-hmm. and uh, it will prepare them for... I don't think anything in their dance career will be as hard as this. Right. And uh, I think uh, they come out with so many more new tools and become, like, such a strong dancer. I mean, when I think of Dennis from Canada and I watch him dance, mm-hmm. you know, um, I see the improvement in Kiki as a ballroom dancer doing the different dance genres, and he's doing things that he never thought he mm-hmm. could ever do possible. His body does not move in the ways that they're asking him to. To see the underdog like someone like himself make this finale is... It's a big deal. It's a big deal. Warren said to me last week, he said, if I could hop him on a plane right now and take him back with me to New York, he's like, I'd throw him in a show right now. Kiki. Buck Kiki, yep. No kidding. Wow. Warren Carlisle. Hello. Hello. Hello, Dolly. Hello, Hello Dolly. Dolly. <laughs> I mean, why not, right? Yeah. But I thought that that was a huge compliment because I don't, I think Warren Carlyle choreography is no joke. Like, I look at it and sometimes when he asks them to do pirouettes, I mean, you see how fast those pirouettes yeah. are in the music. Yeah. And he's like, I'd like you to do four. Yeah. <laughs> in one like count. That. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, but that's what his choreography is like. I, I always go back to that Haley number that she did that Warren Carlyle um, choreographed. I think it was season 12. And I look at it every single time. I'm like, I don't know how she pulled that off and made it look clean because I would have been tripping all over my feet. Yeah, you know, it's 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 just incredible. Until you're there, it, it, it's hopefully a lot of people are lucky enough to see a show live. Mm-hmm. It's different than seeing it on TV. I mean, you actually feel the energy. and uh, And I think that is part of my job. I do. Um, if somebody did something well in five hours, they should get as much appreciation for it. And if that, you know, uh, I hate to say it, but in the ballroom world, we do, we yell at the numbers. That's not something I just did on So You Think You Can Dance. Um, in our industry, we're not quiet when we watch a performance. Mm-hmm. You yell through it. And even when, when I danced on Broadway, I was like, um, when the audience would clap during a certain move. Burn the floor, everyone. Or when I <laughs> yeah. walked out, I mean, it, it's something about hearing that applause, it lifts you. Mm-hmm. And you just, and these kids need to be lifted because what's asked of them is very incredibly difficult. And if they do pull it off to, you know, a performance level that can make you feel something, that's ah, mind blowing to me. I know, and some of them are so young when they're like 18 and they're making you cry. I know. It's a big deal. Because <laughs> they, they haven't had that, you know, as it much has heartbreak. It be really good, too, it you does. know. I, it's very rare outside of So You Think You Can Dance when I watch a performance that it brings me to tears. Because I know when I go see a show that they've been working on that for six months. Mm-hmm. When someone only has five hours and they can and do that, what should have been taking six months to do, it's crazy to me. It is crazy. It really is crazy. Is there a particular season that stands out to you? Because um, you've done so many at this point. Oh, I know. I've been on 12 seasons. Holy cow. Holy smokies. 
I know. Is there one that you're just like, that was my favorite or that that cast really resonated with me? I don't think there's, you know, one favorite cast because, you know, there's so many great memories throughout all the seasons. Mm -hmm. Um, It'd be great if there was just a show of like, you know, all of us judges, you know, over the years um, and they just show that. You know, that'd be an awesome show, like all fun. the best numbers ever. <laughs> I know on the anniversary show, they do some highlights, but I'm like, they need to go yeah, like yeah. all out and do yeah. a spectacular, like two hour adventure. <laughs> there are some great dancers that have, you know, certainly graced our floor and, you know, it's, uh, um, to have some body of work too, for each contestant, a body of work that's on television is really, and that's a gift in their life. To be mm-hmm. able to show their kids and to pass down to their grandkids. I mean, it's incredible. It really is. And, and I love that we've had contestants that have moved on to choreography. You know, you've got Mark who came in this week. We've, we've seen, of course, the success of two-time Emmy winner, Travis Wall. Um, know. You know, just all of these things, um, you know, them moving through the ranks and everything else. It's, it's really wonderful. Some of the all-stars have choreographed on the show. I love that. Yeah, I think... Uh, it's great to give these kids even more opportunity. Um, a lot of them do so well that have made the top 20. You know, they're mm-hmm. all off to successful dance careers and doing things that, you know, people tell me, you know, oh, my gosh, I'm here. You know, like Eliana called me. You know, she was in Nashville, and she was hanging out with some ballroom friends. And I said, what's going on? She goes, I said, what are you doing now? What are you doing in Nashville? Because I was expecting her to be back at the ballet. She goes, oh, I'm a backup dancer for Taylor Swift. That's right. She was on the Red (laughs) Tour for like a year. And she goes, oh, my God, I'm traveling all over the world. That's so exciting. I'm so happy. Um, I'm sure before So You Think You Can Dance and Her Wildest Dreams she would have never guessed that she would have been running around the world with Taylor Swift. I know, which is amazing. Brandon Bryant, you know, one of our best contemporary dancers to hit our stage. Um, He's with uh, Britney Spears in Las Vegas, and, you know, I've talked to him on uh, Twitter, and he's doing his dream. He said, I've always dreamed that this could happen, and it did. Because of So You Think You Can Dance. Melanie Moore, three Broadway shows. Three. Three Broadway shows. I mean, she's incredible. And star, I mean, she's not even just even just doing chorus. She's doing roles, you know, supporting roles, which is incredible. It's great that, you know, the, the dancers are becoming stars. Yep. And they're not just backup dancers, but if being a backup dancer for Britney or somebody else, that was your dream. I mean, to make your dream come true, it's just so cool to us. It's so cool. <laughs> I, I mean, it really is. It's fun. It's always fun for us to watch. And uh, it's been a dream having you here in the studio today. Oh, I've got to tell you, we are. Look at we're like running out of time. I could have you for another hour. <laughs> Steve's like, oh, what? What? <laughs> another hour. Uh, I just have to point out, Dimitri, Aww. you and Dimitri dancing. Are we ever going to get you back dancing on the show? You know, I would like to say I would like to dance maybe um, next season when I get completely. I wouldn't want to dance again if I couldn't get my body. I know my body can't do what it it used to be able to do, but where I would feel that I could um, dance at a professional level. Mm -hmm. And so I wouldn't put myself out there. I was ready two seasons ago. I was ready to do a Paso Doble in the finale. Ooh. And I had a brilliant dancer um, from Russia, tall, six foot three. And uh, I was told the time had run over 
and I got chopped. We need to get that back, Jeff Becker. Let's get that time back. <laughs> Put that out yeah, there. Yeah, I don't know if I have that one in me. I was ready then. I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, the human body, you can do it. All right. Well, fingers crossed for season 15 on that. <laughs> All right. We'll put that out there. <laughs> Mary, everyone can find you at Hot Tamale Train everywhere, right? That's right. Yes. <laughs> Reach out to Mary because, you know, she's the best. It's been such a great well, pleasure having, having you here. And, you know, it's great having you back on So You Think. I got to tell you, everyone is just thrilled thank so. you so much it's great to be back all right well, thank you guys make sure you're following her <laughs> i want to let you guys know that we do have another so you think choreographer coming in <gasps> next week on to the point spencer liff i know i love spencer liff because he tells it like it is so you guys are going to get a lot of good scoop out of him so join me next week uh, on to the point with Kristen burt presented by dance network and popcorn talk we'll see you all soon from producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit PopcornTalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.